Welcome to Avid Watchers. My name is Mary Kate Tita. I'm Adam Nix. And today we're going to be discussing the 2019 film Midsommar. Adam, do you want to tell us a little bit about the film? Yeah, sure. So uh, the film was directed and written by Ari Aster. Um, the only other film he's really known for is Hereditary, which came out the year before this. Uh, this came out in 2019. Um, I think it was really uh, critically acclaimed, but didn't really win any awards, at least at the Oscars or nominated for anything. Um, that being said, uh, it's a really fantastic movie. And also, I think uh, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion around it immediately just because of the topics involved. Um, so I think it made a big splash and uh, it's an interesting watch. Uh, these movie itself stars Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, um, Willem Blomgren, and William Harper. Uh, Florence Pugh, uh, known for Little Women this year as well, had a really good year for movies too. Um, and that's the cast there. So the movie itself oh. takes place uh, in Sweden um, and is in basically in a town where this group of people are celebrating an ancient ritual called uh, um, the, I guess, was the, the it's just the Midsummer ritual, right? I think so. Right. So this is basically celebrated every 90 years. Um, and uh, Pele um, basically meets um, Florence Pugh, whose character name is Danny, uh, Christian, um, played by Jack Rayner and Josh, played by William Harper, uh, at a university. Um, after a horrific event that Danny goes through, um, the group of them all go to Sweden together to participate in this festival. And things, actually not very quickly, but eventually go awry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is a slow-paced movie that like, ramps up in tension. Um, and mm-hmm. you slowly start learning more about this like mysterious festival that you really don't know much about. All right. Do you have anything to add to that, MK? Um, I would say the the core of the movie is the deterioration um, of the relationship between Christian and Danny. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So Danny and Christian were dating for a long time before this, and it's really a huge part of that movie is yeah their relationship and her uh realizing his part in her life and how it might not be so great (laughs) yeah so you do you know that the director i'm wondering if you know more about this than me i know the director was going through a breakup he like had gone through the breakup and he wrote this kind of about that and like in his mind he was danny which is kind of interesting Hmm. um (laughs) I I, i didn't know about that at all the first time i watched the movie um but this time around, uh, I just reached watched it like right before this podcast. Um, but I took some time to actually read like some uh, um, interviews with Ari Aster, uh, some interpretations people had on the movie as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the biggest parts of it is he says, um, one, it's a really a, a movie about the relationship between Danny and Christian. Obviously, there's a lot about grief and overcoming grief. Um, mm-hmm. that was also like how much he really did just want to have like, a this, like, I guess, beautiful movie about like Viking lore and stuff. Like the amount of research mm-hmm. he put in for actual, like 
rituals and drawings and all of that kind of stuff like is pretty amazing which i didn't really think of the first time i uh watched the movie i didn't really think about much the first time i watched it i was just so shocked by the whole thing that it was kind of like revisiting it and taking some time to actually think more about it um because man I, i mean i saw this in theaters and i was just engrossed i was just like i could not take my eyes away from the screen i just like it was like beat by beat i just like was so intensely into this like it's a pretty long movie especially when you think that this is a horror movie and it just flew by at least for me especially Mm -hmm. the first time but this time as well like uh i mean just a little bit into it i was like oh yeah i remember why i love this movie yeah we have very different experiences in that you saw it in theaters when it came out last summer yeah and then you just rewatched it tonight and the first time i ever saw it was like last weekend so I've had like a week, over a week now to like kind of digest things. But yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see what you felt the first time versus the second time. So I feel like Hereditary was like an incredible film that it, it was so fucked up, but it was, it had a message and a purpose and the, the things that happened felt earned and they felt meaningful and I just didn't feel that way at the end of this film like I just kind of felt empty like I was like what does this mean what is he trying to say I felt like I went through all of that and came out of it like it wasn't worth it because I didn't understand what he was trying to say does that make sense yeah yeah definitely and I think there's times like I guess like what I'd say is there were times I didn't really I didn't fully understand like maybe the like Ari Aster's intent but I did get my own feelings out of the movie and I'd say leaving Hereditary like I have no idea what the hell happened at the end of Hereditary I love Hereditary there's a lot of Hereditary that I don't understand um but and I, I I keep and I think I just have to revisit Hereditary now because I do keep comparing these two and I think they're just both really fantastic movies you know like um especially for a new director like it's amazing um Mm -hmm. but i think they tackle such different topics you know they're like they're i mean i guess there's they're tonally like although like hereditary is so dark and midsommar is just this bright like beautiful like piece of art i don't know like they both i think do really well with that whatever metaphor they're dealing with and i think they both deserve I think they're both deserving of like, I guess the stuff you go through to watch the movie, which is a lot like for both movies, you go through a lot to like see this movie. And I, I guess I disagree with you where I do feel like Midsommar um, uh, hit the right points for me. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically the film, it really starts on Danny. It really feels like her movie at first. Maybe you could argue that it is her movie. I think it's kind of equally Christian's movie at some point. But do you feel like she's the main character? Yeah, I think she is. Okay. So I guess maybe I went into it with the idea that he was going to be the main character. And then, yeah. Just like I guess for, my... for me, like, obviously he's like the supporting character there, but like, it's not about, 
I mean, I guess Christian comes to some realizations through the movie, but it's not about him. Like he's not triumphant. <laughs> no, like, in, you, in, a, in a way, I mean, like Florence Pugh, Danny is triumphant in the end that she separates him from her life. You know, like yeah, very physically separates him. And I think that's like, it's her story of her like realizing what dead weight she has in her life. Yeah, so basically it starts with her. She has, she's leaving her parents a message and you kind of cut to her parents asleep in their beds and something just kind of feels off about it. And then basically you you find out that she calls Christian and you find out that her sister is bipolar and that she sends her cryptic messages a lot and that she is worried a lot of the time about her sister and about her parents and how they're dealing with it all. And she's really, really stressed about it. And she's like crying and she's trying not to cry. Like she's trying not to let Christian know she is crying. And um, basically she asks him to come over and then she's like talking to her friend afterwards and she's like, I just don't want to be like a burden to him. Like, I don't want to annoy him. And like, the friend is like, he's supposed to be there for you for these things. Like, you're not being, you're not a burden to him. He should like want to talk to you about this stuff. And then like, it cuts to him and his friends and they're like, dude, you need to break up with her already. Like, he's wanted to break up with her for a year. And he's just like, I don't know. Like he clearly is kind of like one foot out the door in a way. Um, and I mean, right from the get go, I mean, you, you immediately get all of the personalities of this group of guys too. like, uh, and I didn't think I mentioned this character, Mark, um, who's played by Will Poulter. He's like the Joker of the group, like immediately <laughs> a douchebag. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> doesn't even take five seconds to know, like, I hate this guy. And uh, yeah, they're all just kind of being, I mean, he's being shitty in that he's like, oh man, I don't know. Like, what if she doesn't take me back? I regret it and this and that. And yeah. I don't know. This uh, Mark is just talking about like, he's like, oh, there's going to be so many babes in Sweden. It's like, okay, all right. And it's so weird. <laughs> like, there are group, like in horror movies, there's always that group of like shitheads, you know? But like, yeah, I don't know. This felt like different and more just like, oh, these like personalities are like very like real. <laughs> yeah oh yeah they're like they were awful but they didn't feel like over the top or anything you know yeah i feel like that guy the actor will Poulter, he just like always plays assholes (laughs) i just remember him the most in um chronicles of narnia prince caspian or no me no he was in the third movie and he was like their cousin and he was the most annoying character i've ever seen (laughs) he's just he really perfects that um but basically, she gets a call that night from, I assume, like the police, and um, it kind of cuts to her parents' house, and there's like tubes connected from the exhaust of their cars into the mouth or into the the parents' bedroom. And then directly into the mouth of the sister. So she kills her parents and then herself. And 
I definitely did not see this coming because I think I kind of knew they were going to yeah. go to Switzerland and there was going to be a cult and all that stuff, but I had no idea that this like horrifying dark thing was going to happen to like the main character like right away in the beginning. Right. Well, I mean, it's the entire death of her family like so quickly into the movie. Um, it kind of mm-hmm. catches you off guard, um, and it's just like it's grueling. And I mean, this yeah, like the first like five minutes of the movie. You know, like we recently mm-hmm. did that episode on. Uh, the Invisible Man yeah. uh, with mm-hmm. like starting out in that intense scene um, and it, it kind of reminded me of that for a second where it's like you they really catch you off guard with these kind of movements where it's like oh I don't expect things to be so intense so quickly right and this goes through the whole movie but even in that first like section before the title s- sequence plays like there are so many like shot compositions that are so like haunting and like but like beautiful at the same time, like one of her sister, like right in the center or like her and uh, Christian both sitting on the couch and she's just like sobbing. Florence P. Yeah. Woman, like her like sobbing. Oh my God. Incredible. I'm like, how do you like. I really wanted to talk about that because I feel <laughs> like her, her like wailing was just like, you couldn't, when you hear it, your, your whole body just like freezes up because like, you know that that sound is like the sound of pain and loss. And, like, it's just so hard to watch because what happens to her is, like, everyone's nightmare. It's, like, losing your family and being alone. I mean, maybe that's not everyone's nightmare, but, I mean, a lot of people. Right. And, like, her just, like, just wailing was so, so believable. And I was, like, blown away by her in that scene. Yeah. So after that, um, it kind of cuts to uh, a couple weeks before their trip to June, which all the boys have known about, but no one ever told Danny. So she's basically dealing with all this. Danny's trying to, well, she's not trying to really, I don't know, like she's obviously mourning. um, And uh, she basically finds out that uh, um christian might be going on this trip but he's like i don't know maybe i am maybe i'm not like i probably won't go but like he obviously wants to go he's almost like right in the middle here like obviously being like oh well i'm not gonna go because of you um and she's like why haven't i known about about it trip like you you bought your ticket you're leaving in two weeks he's like well i don't know i'm not leaving and like he he blames her for it like She's like, I wish you would have like told me. And he's like, uh, I'm sorry. Like he says it with like just like dripping with like sarcasm. And she's like, What is going or on? Or just like he doesn't even mean it at all. Yeah, and he turns it around on her immediately. Where suddenly she's apologizing for like freaking out on him. She's like, I just want to talk to you. Like, what's going on here? Why didn't you tell me you were going to Sweden? It um, made me so sad because like she is like really like justifiably upset like you didn't tell me i had to learn at a party they're going on a two-month trip and i get to be upset that you didn't tell me about that and then he's all of a sudden like well i'm just gonna leave like he's just out like and she's like no please don't leave no 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 and like begs him not to leave and i'm like girl you have every right to be angry at him and he's just like he clearly is not putting all his all into this and like the minute it gets hard he's just gonna like peace out and she like begs him to stay and he does but it's just like so hard to watch her because it's just she just makes me so sad right and you can like understand where she's at too though like it's like oh like she like leans on him for support like she does love Mm -hmm. him 
in this moment and like like she uh, feels like he's all she has right and like she does like care about him but it's just not like reciprocated yeah so then he brings her oh my god can you imagine if i'm doing this to you him and his his friends are hanging out and and he's like danny coming over and it's coming to sweden by the way they're like what and he's like yeah like I invited her, but like she's not going to come. Like she said, she's going to come, but she's totally not going to come. What? These guys are all like, <laughs> what like, is happening here? You. And so then she comes in, and he's just like, just one of his friends, Mark, the asshole, just like gets up and walks away. And then like Christian doesn't talk to him. And she talks to the Swedish guy, and just immediately, I have in my notes, the Swedish guy is creepy and fuck his commune. Like he's creepy off the bat. Like the way that he's talking to her and looking at her, I'm like, he's interested in her. Like you can tell. Right. And he's just so creepy. <laughs> How did you feel? Did you feel the same? Um, I think the first time around, it's like, oh yeah, okay. Well, he's the he's the guy bringing them somewhere, and um, he's like, I'm very glad you're coming. You know, like, <laughs> I'm very like, all right, Pele, <laughs> you're coming. But at the same time, I'm like, if I had the chance to hang out with anybody in that room, I'd probably hang out with Pele, even though he's gonna murder me later. <laughs> Like everybody else sucks so much. I mean, obviously, besides Danny. <laughs> I'll take a pass on all of them. Oh, hang out, Danny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, there's this really great scene after this where Pele was kind of like, uh, um, I'm really sorry about like w- what happened to you. Like, it's so awful. And like, well, one, he says, I think I can, I un- like, I understand you. My parents died in a fire. Which yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> Holy. Um, it was fun kind of rewatching it because like there were there was like sprinklings of all that kind of stuff in it. But um, we'll 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 circle back to that later. Um, but then he's basically she's like oh like she she remembers like I think she had a chance of like dispute from it but something yeah. like, okay like like she freaks out and she starts having like a panic panic attack runs to the bathroom. Yeah. And like when she shuts the door and kind of starts like sobbing, it like cuts to um, the uh, airplane bathroom when they're in the air on their way to Sweden, and she's doing the same right. there. Um, and this it does it a good a good amount, like kind of cutting through time, especially in a movie that's all in the sun. I think they do a really good job of actually like pacing it, especially for a long uh-huh. movie as well. Um, but I thought some of those shots were super interesting. Especially when they're they're entering the commune and it's like upside down. Yeah, yeah, it's like and then it like unsettling. turns around. It's so unsettling and un- it made me feel super uneasy and like dizzy. And I was like, oh god, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they just they they basically make their way all the way over to the commune. Um. Uh. They take some mushrooms. Um. And Mark once again shows how much of a piece of shit he is. Where he said, like, I literally have in my notes, Mark, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, like, I need to, like, get my grounding, like, settle in here before I, like, like go on a trip, you know? Like, I, like, yeah. I just need to chill for a second. And yeah. what Mark said was, dude, we can't take them at separate times. They'll be totally separate trips. He's like, how could you dare to even, like, say this? Like, suggest that you don't want to do these drugs with us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He basically is like peer pressured into taking it with them. And they're all just like, I wrote baby tripping. 
they're all just like tripping and she is like so at some point before they leave you see that she's taking Ativan which I made a note to look up and it's like for panic attacks and anxiety and insomnia and stuff and so like she's not doing well and like maybe tripping is not like the best for her right now and so she ends up to me it looks like she has a panic attack and um like passing out am i missing anything um so i mean she's just kind of hanging out i think she's actually like you know having a relatively good time when they're sitting by the tree again mark is super annoying but kind of funny (laughs) so (laughs) annoying oh my god what time is it it's 9 p.m what do you mean what do you mean that can't be right. The sky is blue. It's fine. It's Sweden. That's not fine. Why is it like that? It's okay, Mark. It's the midnight sun. That feels wrong. I don't like that. I promise you it's okay. I'm not okay. And, like, I love how, like, in the movie, what they, they, they're kind of like, oh, like, this is, like, this is your mind on drugs, you know? <laughs> and then she looks down and like her hand is like through the grass and she looks up that. and the tree is like morphing like slightly and the ground is morphing slightly around her. Um, it's just really well done. And she like starts kind of, I think she has another one of those moments where she like realizes like, you know, like her current life, like, and like what she's dealing with. And, uh, yeah, yeah, she starts like panicking again and like freaking out. She like is walking around and thinks people are laughing at her and like walks in the outhouse and in the darkness, she sees her sister behind her in the corner of the room. That's who that was? Yeah. Yeah. It was her sister. I don't know what I thought. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she freaks out and falls asleep uh, and, uh, just in some random park. She wakes up, and it's six hours later. It was 9 p.m. when she fell asleep, and it was light out. And now, I guess what? It's probably like 4 a.m. or something, and it's oh my God. bright out still. I, I never would have anticipated the anxiety that it never getting dark would bring me. <laughs> Right. Well, think how confusing it is. Oh my gosh. Just like you, just like never knowing like what time it is, or like just like having the days separated by that, and just not really even knowing what day it is, and all that stuff. Like that in itself was stressful. Right. On top of everything else. So, um, at this point, they kind of they start with the festivities. They meet more of the family. Everybody's wearing white. Um, it's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I have a quote for, for that one. Mark says, "So we're stopping in Waco before we get to Pell's Village." <laughs> and I was like, "Fine, I like Mark for that one second. <laughs> I just enjoyed that because of it was like so clearly cultish, and he like made that reference, and I was like, he he gets it." Like the true crime part of me, I was like, "Must get it," but <laughs> also still hating. Um. So they they kind of meet like, but who seems to be like the father cult leader type guy here, and um, kids are running around, topping talk like singing about skinning fools, and they're all like, "This is chill. This is like really chill." 
they're just going to hang out and they have some opening ceremonies. Um, you kind of start getting an idea of, uh, what Josh is here for, you know, he's here to, here to write his thesis and he's taking pictures and yeah. he sees these people like very rudely as like study subjects basically is like kind of uh, ignorant about like how he's kind of coming off when he's like, Oh, your traditions are like these people's traditions and this and that. And you're like, all right, dude, like be chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he and uh, um, then they end up, uh going into this house where they're all sleeping everybody sleeps in the same house together and this it's this huge barn house with um with basically paintings everywhere all over it and they basically show these old rituals but these rituals are if you really do like look at them basically the entire movie that you're about to see like randomly here and there like a ton of the plot is just drawn out in all these different paintings and drawings throughout the whole movie which is really neat to see and every once in a while it just kind of focuses in on one where it's like oh this is what's going to happen next like oh these people are going to cut like uh cut their hands with a knife and or this person's going to put her pubic hair in a pie <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. and so on, you know as people do her period blood in a drink yep <laughs> um so there's all this foreshadowing there and just like building tension um but uh nothing really big like happens until this scene uh basically um pele talks about a ritual uh that they're gonna do the next day and it's gonna be a big surprise um <laughs> and what's weird is josh knows what it is as like the like the, the guy who's studying these people and he doesn't say anything he's like oh ha 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 it's like all right guys maybe maybe you should what? tell people <laughs> i didn't know that yeah because he's like oh do you mean it's gonna be like a real one of those like <laughs> Um, okay, because some important context is that um, Pele, he explains that, like, each, like, life, like, section of your life has a different purpose. I don't remember everything, deta every detail, but it's, like, when you're a kid and then when you're, like, in a, like, a young adult-ish, you, like, go and, what's the word? Right, like it's like basically party, and then after that you're like working, <laughs> in. and then it's like winter, and you can chill for a bit, and then when you when it's seventy, then you and it ends at seventy two, and Danny's like, well, what happens after seventy two? And Bailey's like, and he puts his like hand across his neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit of foreshadowing for what happens next. Right. They go to they basically have this big dinner or lunch or breakfast, whatever time it is, who knows? Um. And there's these two old people at the end of this table um and they're they're eating and they look really like serious and they cheers and mm -hmm. everybody's watching them like they're the center of like of everything right now and then everybody picks them up in chairs and um follows them down a valley to a giant cliff um okay question yeah. at what point did you know what this was uh yeah i'm trying to think it's hard to say i think like i I think I did realize that like they were going to die. Um, yeah. Like as even on, at that meal, um, just because of that conversation yeah. with, Oh, they're 72. Like, it looks like they're probably about that age. Um, yeah. But I had no idea what the severity of it would be. Um, so basically everyone is standing at the bottom of this cliff and they're the two people in blue, the 72 year olds, we assume are up at the top and they cut their hands and they wipe their blood on 
Ruins, yeah. <laughs> and basically, there's this moment where Danny, it, the camera kind of focuses in on her, and she is clearly like hyperventilating, or like she's kind of starting to panic. And it's like she knows what's coming, even though I don't know how she would know. She just like has a feeling this is really bad. Idea with, I was thinking about that scene because it's so intense when they like really like focus in on her. And she knows it. Yeah, she knows exactly what's happening. And it looks like the woman is staring at her, too. And like I was wondering mm-hmm. if it was like kind of this connection to like her understanding, like unimaginable, unimaginable, like pain, death, grieving um, yeah, I think she has this like innate ability at this point to really understand what's going on and like fear, like I guess rightly fear what's going on too. Um, yeah, she really has. It feels like she just knows what's coming, and basically, the woman jumps off the cliff and she lands on a rock below. It's very gory. Um, I actually looked away for some of it. The it first one, yeah. I mean, it's like, they really like... I mean, yeah, I don't even think we have to go into that much detail here. It's so nasty. No. It's like, <laughs> it is like, I, I remember like watching it and I was like, I haven't seen that many movies with that's like as gory as that. You know, and then after that, the man falls and doesn't die when he hits the rock afterwards. And there's like a, oh, a lot of violence and like... Um, I don't, even, I don't even want to get into it. It's like so gross. I don't know if it's completely unnecessarily. I guess that it's like probably like a ritual, but it's just like he's dead. Like you can stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, so we didn't really mention this before, but Pele has this friend who he calls, who's at the commune, who he calls his brother. But then you realize later that everybody is a brother there. Um, but at first, I was like, "Oh, it's his actual brother." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. Um, yeah, it makes sense. That oh, really? It's like, I don't know. I don't think it was. I maybe it was, but it, I, they're just all brothers. <laughs> brother and sister, so I don't know. But um, it's possible. He seems like a really good friend of his, if not his actual brother. But um, he had brought two people from London mm-hmm. with him to the commune to visit, just like Pele had brought his friends. And these two people from London, after they see these these two older people jump and kill themselves and then be the man be beaten to death, I guess, um, they just like freak the fuck out. And they're like, this is so messed up. Like we are leaving, like this is insane. And how is nobody doing anything to stop this? I'm like, oh no, no, this and is virtual and this and that. And they're like, nope, we're out, we're out of yeah. here. Let's go. <laughs> and that's yeah. Simon and Connie. Um, were those two yeah. uh yeah and um i think i mean between that the next really big thing that happens is simon and connie um you see connie running back to this like the farmhouse where they're sleeping and she's gathering all of her stuff trying to leave and um all of a sudden one of the guys comes up and he's like hey um Simon actually left already. There was only one spot in the truck. Uh, so, and she's Connie's like, what, what are you talking about? He would not do that to me. Like he would, Simon would not leave me here. He's like, Oh, well there's only one spot in the truck. It's like, what? it's, uh, that's just, guys, Simon's dead. and Simon, Simon is, dead. well, I mean, not exactly <laughs> <Right>? dead. 
<laughs> a little worse than dead as we find out later. Um, okay, so, so when that happened, like he got in a truck and, and it only fit one. They only fit two people. And blah blah blah. I just have in my notes. Simon is one hundred percent dead. Yep. And then they, and like the next day, they're like, "Oh, Simon and Connie are gone." And um, Mark says, "I okay. saw her running, like like running." And the other guy's like, "No, no, actually, I just dropped them off at the train station and they left." <laughs> we also had a scene after we like didn't see her anymore where there was a female scream and just like nobody addressed it do you remember that no i don't when was that okay so i don't all i remember is that mark is like standing in a field and that girl who's like really into him like staring at him he's like oh she's staring at me or like whatever (laughs) and there's a scream in the background and like he kind of is like hmm but like doesn't really think about it. Oh, and it's totally Connie being murdered. That's my theory. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but there was a scene between, I, I, I assume it happens somewhere in between um, because it's my notes, but there's a scene between Danny and Pele. And Pele is just being his regular creepy self. And he's like, I am the most happy that you came like you're the person mm. i wanted most to come because danny was thinking and, about leaving as well after that and pele kind of convinced yeah. her a bit to stay yeah so he like he's like really close to her and he's like basically telling her that he likes her and he's also like i think he kind of hits home with her where he's like you don't feel at home with christian like you don't feel at home with anybody here like we have a home we have like people to lean on we have a community all this stuff and like it's her like you know as like we said this is a movie about danny and christian her slowly coming to this realization that christian is not that person for her which is weird when it's like this this sage advice is coming from pele who brought all these people to their doom um but it is kind of oddly like a part big part of her journey too you know it's it's so weird because like you balance all these points where like danny really like grows and like is able to free herself from like the grief and like this relationship and then it's like oh each time that's happening it's paired with something really really awful (laughs) (laughs) something itself i guess yeah that's that's definitely true yeah i hadn't really thought about it like that also in all capital letters i say do not separate (laughs) because they get you when you separate Mm -hmm. that's the last thing who knows you might end up becoming the may queen if you separate (laughs) it's a gamble yep for sure um so i also wrote christian cares more about his thesis which he stole from his friend than his girlfriend oh man yeah and i also said that the anthropologist stuff is was weirding me out because it felt like they would do anything to learn about this commune's like way of life and to the point where like nothing else mattered and that just like freaks me out a little bit yeah, like he didn't weird. care about her he only cared about his well and christian didn't really care about it i don't know like like he like randomly just tries to steal basically josh's work and the reason they're there in the first place and christian's like why are you mad like what what do you mean you're mad at me it's like hmm i don't know christian <laughs> um but yeah, they both care about this thesis so much that they're just like ready to ruin their lives and like be rude and like Christians they're asking people about like incest and stuff like that. And it's like, wow, like you're really subtle, aren't you, man? <laughs> <laughs> so subtle. 
Um, so, I mean, I think that's the, the next step here is when shit starts hitting the fan, right? Um, so we learn about this uh, this book, right? That's um, basically written by uh, uh, someone over there who's disabled and basically like, um, I mean, how they say it, like, quote unquote, like inbred. Um, and this part of the yeah. movie really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't even like know how to comment yeah. on it, honestly. Um, it wasn't necessary and it really wasn't explored enough in a way to make it like worth including like if you're gonna include that like fully explore it don't just like have it there and not do like do it justice like do the message justice i guess right i just felt yeah i don't know like i just didn't think it added enough like you said to the movie um and it was yeah i think it was used as a trope so yeah i wasn't a big fan of that either so basically that person writes their bible in a way um just by like painting stuff in the book um and mark for his or not mark uh josh uh wants to see this book so badly he wants to take pictures of it but they won't let him take pictures of it so he sneaks in there in the middle of the night to take pictures um and suddenly sees someone in the doorway who looks like uh um mark Mark. who had disappeared the night the day before or maybe earlier that day um with this lady who's kind of been following him around um, yeah. As Mark gets closer, he realizes that it's actually a man wearing Mark's face, and someone hits yeah. Josh uh, on the head with a, I'd assume as a hammer of some sort. Uh, maybe it was the same hammer they used before. I don't know. Um, and... It was so jarring because it was like you didn't really know what you were looking at. Right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this person was wearing Mark's clothes and like his hair, maybe. And- skin but it was like it did not obviously it wasn't him it was just like very like very jarring and confusing what's important in the guy um that was wearing the face mask um was uh was the gal so the guy that yelled at mark earlier in the movie for peeing on the ancestral tree which like come on mark really what? have some and i actually like i was i that i didn't realize that when i watched it but i was reading some stuff about the movie and they mentioned that i was like oh that makes sense because oh like, i really wanted to murder mark um oh my god he wanted to murder mark so bad he did pee on a tree that was just like covered in ashes of people it's like come on <laughs> totally totally justified <laughs> another rule i have for this horror movie is never eat or drink anything they give you it seemed a little fun though you gotta admit at times <laughs> i was mostly thinking of the period blood drink oh Christian yeah drink. no okay don't drink the period <laughs> blood drink. yeah yep just the <laughs> just the fun drug drinks <laughs> no. avoid those as well they just use as a tool to make yeah. you more agreeable <laughs> so and i guess yeah we we didn't mention that meal where um christian it's so weird because there's so many of these small side stories in the movie that are just like so ingrained in it like they're i don't know it's Mm -hmm. like they're entwined so well into the story um but one of them is that christian is basically being followed around by this uh this uh this um woman with red hair um who like is basically him. <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like well yeah i don't know <laughs> I, think she, I, I guess i did she looked very young and she i think that young, yeah 
someone had said that she had like just gotten her period or something. Right. But I feel like she was like definitely. Well, she was. She was like underage. a child. She was a child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was like early teens, probably. And uh, basically, Not in real life, like probably. there is this at one point in the movie. There's this like panel of images that show this like ritual of someone hypnotizing a man and like the man falling in love with her and that's what this uh-huh. story is it's this girl with this right this this girl like running around following these panels to a tea and one of them is literally putting pubic hair in the pie like meat pie he's eating and putting period blood in the drink he's drinking um and he realizes that the the pubic hair is there but does not notice that the the drink is a slightly different color than the rest yeah <laughs> and you're just like and just like over your face like no oh my god <laughs> um, so at that point you basically realize that josh and mark are out of the equation the next day um they go to another meal and someone says that the book was stolen um at this point obviously this cult to this group of people are making that up as an excuse for why those right. two left uh and right. they separate um they separate Josh and Danny. Danny participates in a festival where you run around what's called the Maypole um, until uh, there's one person standing. They all take drugs and they run around for hours right. and hours. Um, the last right. person standing becomes the May Queen for this festival. Yep. Um, she becomes the May Queen and uh, it's, it's an amazing scene. It's really amazing. Like, like yes. she's running around and she's like having fun actually for a while. And everybody's just yeah. super high. And once she's the last one there, there's this really extended shot of her like being like, what is going on here? And everybody's like yeah. singing and bringing her up on the table. She's standing on top of a table, like, like, I don't know, this champion and uh, has yeah. a beautiful flower crown on. And at this point she also has a yeah. white dress on. She looks like everybody else around her. Whereas Christian's mm-hmm. the only person in this crowd of people with this blue shirt on, like stands out like, so mm-hmm. much and she's like leading a feast now all of a sudden she's like the yeah the may queen like she's in charge of yeah. the festival all of a sudden so she they end up going to like burying like a liver or some, some slab of meat uh for the festival and singing again it's absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful like um <laughs> the song and her like kind of accepting what's going on in a way um mm-hmm. but then she comes back and hears these this moaning in a barn um and she opens or she looks through a keyhole to this barn and sees christian who uh is uh having sex with this girl and there are not a ton of naked women around her and him moaning and helping him (laughs) get things moving so that they can uh get a new baby in this commune um it is a very confusing scene and very odd uh this is Mm-hmm. Christian basically has this like path while um, Danny is going through the same stuff where Christian uh, um, takes what I'm assuming are like the commune equivalent of like, uh, um, I don't know, just to get him up and rowdy. Uh, he like breathes in all oh, this. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was like, more intense than that. Uh-huh. And um, basically like this myth to make him horny. Right. Yep. Yep. He just gets nice and horny and uh, gets declothed and just things get weird. Like there's times where he's just like, literally looking oh. around and he's like, what is happening? Here? But also 
still be doing it. But like, yeah, it's like I don't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you're still there. Fairly <laughs> <laughs> easily went with it. So once um, that happens, Nanny runs away into the barn where they were staying and starts basically sobbing and these other women surround yeah. her and everybody sobs with her like so she sobs and they sob then she sobs louder they sob louder and after a while they're in sync like completely in sync just sobbing in the middle of this barn and it is amazing like i love that scene so much it's like this like i mean it's goofy but at the same time like really like okay i was I gonna know. say can we just that it's funny but... oh you just thought it was funny you didn't like it as a scene no no i i'm just saying i thought it was funny while also being i don't know i'm picturing being her and like if people were doing that to me i would be so pissed off it's like when someone copies you and they just won't stop copying you <laughs> oh yeah well i mean i think it's like it's just like this idea that she really forever like messed up this communist she does want that community like she doesn't have anybody to lean on and in that moment like yeah. she's like one with them and becoming a part of this like you think of i mean uh when those two people fell off the cliff right like they're all in agony with the guy that doesn't like die when he hits the ground um and when those two people die there's two more babies that come, like are born and then are named after those two like they're all like just one in this like community so when like right. one person feels pain or sorrow they all do in some weird way um right and i think that i they definitely take advantage of her and what she's lacking and the pain that she has and that's textbook cult they dig into your worries and what you need or they tell you what you need and that they can provide that for you and what she needed was family and a feeling of belonging and this is where i kind of especially in, just kind of like thinking about the movie more like where i kind of lean in the end here like obviously this this commune or this cult is like you know murdering people doing this awful thing but like at what point does like the actual plot of the story end and the metaphor take over um you know like like how i see it and how i walk away from it it is more like like this this community and what she goes through is like a part of herself so yeah all these people die around her but like the metaphor for that is like getting rid of the dead weight in her life you know like like rebirth and like um like getting like uh moving on being able to live her life the way she wants to um and that's what I got out of it. So even though obviously it's like this is the cult and they're murdering people, like my big takeaways in that weren't as like, oh, they were taking advantage of her. It was more like this is this is like this is a metaphor for her moving on. But I don't know. Like, did you more just see them as a villain, like from the start to the end? And like, we'll get to the end here. But was Danny like the villain in the end as well? Like. Danny wasn't the villain to me. Um, I just see Danny as someone who went through something so terrible and didn't have really good people around her to help her through it. And that's when a lot of people get caught up with cults, honestly. So I don't fault her for anything. I did say, will she sentence her cheating lover to die? Yep, rough. 
and then said, well, I guess that just happened. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel bad for her because I think that she, I think this cult is messed up and she fell into it because she was in a place where she was easier to manipulate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we like stepped away with different ideas of like like the core of the movie then cuz like I didn't really see it as like the cult taking advantage of her. Your view on it sounds obviously it's not how I viewed it, but hearing it it sounds like that's probably what he intended. Sure, but I mean if you went away with it like cuz it is hard to like separate the two when such awful things are going on too. <laughs> um let's let's uh let's uh talk about this ending here so yeah um all of a sudden it kind of cuts to or well christian has the big reveal where he runs around and he's running around naked after this whole like sex experience and um he sees uh josh but just his foot sticking out of the garden um, my god. And he goes oh my god and he runs the other direction and he runs into this bar and he's like oh my gosh I'm so scared and he turns around and Simon um, the guy from the UK that disappeared a while ago is hanging mm-hmm. from like wire uh, and his lungs mm-hmm. are outside of his uh, um, his back and he's got like flowers in his eyes now uh, he is still uh-huh. breathing he is still alive and it is just horrible. I didn't know that he was still alive yeah yeah go, go if you have the chance go watch it back if you want to see the lungs in action no, I'm good. it's like slowly like breathing it's like horrifying it's absolutely horrifying yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um truly. and then that one of the guys comes in and blows this like paralysis dust on him oh um God. and so he's paralyzed um then uh they have the final kind of ceremony where the uh the the May Queen is sitting there, which is Danny, dressed in this giant like dress, just like huge. Just it looks like she's just covered in a pile of leaves. Like and she's got the yeah. crown on still. And they basically explain it. They're like, We needed nine deaths for this festival. Um, four of them were the new blood or the people that were brought in. And two were uh volunteers on our end. Two are gonna be the other other two people who brought um other people, like other new blood in. So um the other people that brought like tourists basically and the last one is chosen by danny um danny can either choose the last new blood which is christian who's paralyzed and just sitting there and or um or just some other like random volunteer or random person that's yeah. basically chosen by like a powerball like <laughs> <laughs> this is like this ball rolls down and they look at it like hey nice job you won <laughs> Um, and then it cuts before she makes a decision but you look at her and she is pissed like Danny is like, <laughs> um, and it cuts to this wonderful scene with a father or a, a man um, talking to two kids about how to gut a bear um, as they gut a bear and then uh, what you find out later is put Mark's body in it or not Mark, sorry, Christian's body in it. And they put Christian yeah. in a big old um, uh, wooden, basically hut barn kind of thing with all the other yeah. people that are already dead, along with two barn people that are alive. Um, and they yeah. burn the barn down. And everybody screams mm-hmm. outside, including um, 
Danny. They all scream in like agony as these people in the barn are screaming. Christian doesn't make a noise. Like he's paralyzed. He's just sitting in a bear suit. Or not a bear suit. Literally yeah. a bear. Like it's a real bear. A bear. <laughs> um, and right as the kind of right before the credits roll, um, like Danny's sobbing and she's like walking in this giant dress sobbing. And, um, and then her like frown slowly turns to a smile and it ends. It's beautiful. it's just like an amazing ending like i mean did you have any idea what was coming there i was just like what (laughs) i had no idea i think i was i was in the end happy for danny (laughs) that she got the terrible boyfriend out of her life (laughs) that's just such a funny thing to take away from (laughs) But yeah, it's like, you know, she she got way literally at the point at the end, like literal dead weight. Like this guy's just <laughs> um I'm happy that she's feeling better. <laughs> think about it. Like the one time she finally feels happy is when she's finally separated from Christian during that May the Maypole kind of dance where she's running yeah. around the you know, like he's finally a part of the only yeah. time she's unhappy there is when she sees Christian sitting on the side. Um, who like has the when this is dropping back a little bit, but has the weakest attempt at saying no to like the mushroom tea. He's like, ah, no. And they're like, yeah, you should. He's like, okay. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> um, god. So it's like she is really like finding herself in that moment, and to really find herself in the end, you have to burn your boyfriend in a barn, in a bear. Everyone knows that. Yep, that's just the only way. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the one thing I felt was that um, I didn't come out of it with oh this this movie or this director have this one like message or vision in mind like a a statement and I wanted that I don't know that he wanted to give me that or if I missed it. But I think I just craved like that message. I think he wanted to like provide like a lot. Like when we leave, when you we left Hereditary, I didn't know what I saw. Like, but it, I think both Hereditary and this movie like do provide for a really specific feeling. Like, like we said right at the beginning of this, like this is a movie about Danny and Christian. It's a movie about breakups. It's a movie about like getting over grief. And it might not be like, ooh, this is the exact path to that. But it did say like to get over grief like there's pain you have to remove people from your life that aren't working other people are gonna show their true colors when you really need someone and i thought that Ariaster really like hit those points really well and like providing that feeling of like dread and grief and like um i guess that feeling that it's just like nothing's gonna get better um but it does yeah. for her and sometimes that means like restarting a new life and it kind of goes back to that whole idea of the community the the commune, the cult, <laughs> having this like cyclical <laughs> lifestyle, you know, or like these, this idea of seasons where at the beginning of the movie, it's winter and we go to midsummer where it's literally midsummer. Um, and like, it's kind of these seasons of grief as well, I'd say, or like, or this understanding of our own relationship. Um, but there's yeah, also a I lot think, of unanswered stuff. So I get that. I think that was my issue, but overall i think the cinematography and the acting and just like the 
the research that went into it, like it all feels so well thought out and well done. And also learning that they filmed in Hungary, I think, and they didn't have like all day sunshine and they had, they really struggled with only being able to film during the day and they were on a really tight deadline and I, I think just the film itself is impressive like no matter how I feel about the message just the film itself is like an incredible creation right but I'm glad that I saw I mean it's beautiful like the set design the costumes in it like I can like Florence Pugh in the end there with her like flower dress and the crown is just like incredible it's breathtaking and like we kind of mm-hmm. talked a little That's bit iconic. yes <laughs> um like the the shot composition composition too like when they decide to do these just like shots of just like florence Pugh in this like costume and thinking about right at the beginning of the movie when it was her sobbing and like the journey she's mm-hmm. taken there so it sounds like you're you you're happy the movie exists but maybe not not for you is that kind of your final verdict? I think it's a really well-made horror movie that I wish just had more of a clear statement it was trying to make. Okay. And yeah. I really liked it, and I liked the statement. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks a lot, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> To keep up with new episodes, subscribe to Avid Watchers wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Avid Watchers and like us on Facebook. Check out our magazine on aviditymag.com for more content. Avid Watchers is hosted and produced by Mary-Kate Cheetah and Adam Nix and is also edited by Mary-Kate Cheetah. Original music is by Logan Johnson.